Hey guys, want to start this episode out telling you about what chefs want. More specifically, want to take you to Instagram and I want you to follow what chefs want. Because if you were, you'd know that they had bunches of kombuchas and fun mocktail type drinks that you can get for dry January. You can get them for that zero proof side of your menu seven days a week from what chefs want. If you're looking to spice up your Valentine's menu, they're talking about it on their Instagram page, January the 5th. They're way ahead of the game and they have everything you're going to need. Also, fun tips for National Milk Day. And did you know that the holes in Swiss cheese are called eyes? Fun facts on their Instagram page. But you know everything they do inside your restaurant. But let them partner with you with all the cool information they share on the socials. So give them a follow. And if you need to learn more or want to learn more about What Chefs Want, visit them at whatchefswant.com. Welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio, the tastiest hour of talk in Music City. Now here's your host, Brandon Still. Hello, Music City, and welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio. My name is Brandon Still, and I am your host. We are powered by Gordon Food Service. And we are coming to you on a Sunday today. The show is coming out Sunday a little bit early because Snowmageddon is coming. Are you ready? Do you have everything that you need? Do you have all of the milk? Do you have all of the bread? Do you have the ice, uh, the, the salt that, that melts the ice? Do you have boots, galoshes, all of the things because they are sold out. This town is ready and I love snow. I am a big fan of the snow, but it is really messing up my week this week. So we're going to get this episode out early. Here it is, a Sunday. Excited to have you here. We are going to be speaking with Brian Baxter today. He is the executive chef over at the Catbird Seat. This is a super cool episode because I went to the Catbird Seat and had dinner the night before this interview. And it was my first time ever eating there, so I was kind of blown away. Really excited about talking to him the next day, and we really just go over the menu. And as we go over the menu, we just take side turns left and right and all over the place, and it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed his candor and just talking about what's going on and his creative mind and how it works, and um, just an amazing guy. Just so much fun. I, I hope you enjoy it. This is a long one. It's like an hour and 45 minutes, so... Sit back, relax, and enjoy. I figured I'd get this out here before the snow hits. You could uh, enjoy it by the fireplace. Sure, why not? The uh, The Fantasy Football League that we did, the Nashville Restaurant Radio Fantasy Football League, has come to an end. The winner uh, is Max Goldberg. There it is. Max took out Hal Holdenbeach of Lachlan Table to uh, take the prize and for his prize he gets to be on the show next week <laughs> he is the guest of uh the podcast next week max goldberg so congratulate if you see him this week make sure to congratulate him on his win there will be a trophy presentation and all kinds of fun things and uh, excited to get into uh the rest of the year maybe next year we'll do this again this was a lot of fun and uh, i really enjoyed talking some smack with all these uh, guys and gals. So thank you, guys. We did this for the Giving Kitchen. This was a whole 
thing we wanted to raise awareness around the Giving Kitchen. And the Giving Kitchen is an organization that helps restaurant workers. They do it nationwide. They're based out of Atlanta. There's a Nashville location like where they actually have people, uh, boots on the ground. And then Charlotte, they've just launched. But they help anywhere in the country. So if you know somebody who needs help and you're a restaurant worker, you need help paying your bills, whatever it is, because you've been in an accident, you've had a diagnosis of something, you're going to rehab, whatever it might be, check them out at givingkitchen.org. And maybe they can help you. Maybe this is maybe you listening to this is the answer you needed to go, oh my gosh, this is what I need. I need help right now. Givingkitchen.org. So with that being said, I want to tell you that uh, Fat Bottom Brewery is releasing their Daisy Hazy IPA. This is a 6.4% alcohol by volume beer. I used to love Daisy, uh, not Daisy, but Hazy IPAs. That's a New England style IPA, and they are doing it just in time, just in time for dry January to end and the weather to start changing. Kind of a spring beer. I feel like I'm. At, I feel like I'm a Costco right now because you go to Costco and they already have like Easter stuff that's up, and I'm. We're right in the middle of January, and I'm already talking about beer for the spring. You got to think ahead, and this is out. Uh, and just like another week and a half, you'll be able to buy the Daisy Hazy IPA. And uh, I imagine, I, from everything I hear, it's amazing. People get very excited about this release. So if you want that, uh, you can get it through Debt Distributing, or you can head right over to the Nations to their tasting room, and you'll be able to drink that. They're going to tap it, and you can have a good time with it. I also want to say that if you want to pick up that Hop Fizz, it is uh, it is delicious. Everybody in our restaurants is loving it so far, and everybody at the, the dry January market loved it. Uh, it is as well from debt. Zero calorie, zero sugar, zero carbs, hop fizz. Yeah, get it over at debt. Okay, so here's the pro tip. If you're listening to this, go to Instagram, at Nashville underscore restaurant underscore radio. Find the post that has a picture of Brian Baxter, me and Brian, and then scroll to the side because all the pictures that you're going to see are the dishes that we are talking about in this interview. So you can kind of follow along and you hear me talk about a pink ice looking thing. You're going to see the pictures. They're not the best pictures. I wasn't planning on doing it like this, but I think it's going to work out better this way. So go to our Instagram page and hey, while you're there, click that follow button. We'd love to have you following us. And like the post that has the Brian Baxter, that I want, I'm curious to see how many people actually go and look at the pictures uh, and listen to it simultaneously with the show. So if you go find that post, hit the like, uh, comment on what you think about the interview, whatever you like, but I'd love to know. And I, I, this was a good one for me, and I loved it. Hope you guys are staying safe out there in the snow. Stay home, stay cozy, and uh, enjoy this one with Brian Baxter. Super excited today to welcome back to the show, Brian Baxter, executive chef at the Catbird Seat. How you doing, man? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's been two years. Seems like. Oh, well, I went back to listen because I was like, I wonder what we talked about two years ago. And I hate listening to my old interviews. It just is the sound quality, all the little things. It's just really obnoxious. But it was the last show of 2021. That's awesome. And here you are. This will come out in January. Okay. But this is the last week of 2022. So literally, or 23, two years later, here we are. 
Time's traveling. I don't know. I don't know if it feels like it was longer, or if it's. I you know this was a a very quick year. Christmas came and went. And it did. I think people say you know with kids and you have kids. You had a nine month old and a two and a half year old last time we talked. You mm-hmm. probably have a almost three year old and a four and a half year old now. Yep. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, just the days are super long, but the years go by so fast. Mm-hmm. It's like, God, that was a long week. But then you look back and you're like, oh, that was nothing. Yeah. And the, the days off are also very fast. The day, they, they, they're they very fast. Yep. How many days a week do you get off? Uh, we're off Sunday, Monday, and then Tuesday is a prep day for us. So I usually, it's usually a much shorter day for me, depending on the week than it is for the guys. Uh, that way I can be there to pick up the kids yeah. On Tuesdays as well and have like family time uh, those nights. My wife's a teacher, so she's only home on Sundays. Are you still in Spring Hill? Yep. Nice. Yep. Well, thanks for making the trip up here to do this yeah, today. I um, I had dinner last night at the catbird seat. So this is kind of surreal for me, and this is kind of a fun moment for me. I feel like I got to go see one of my favorite bands last night, and then I get to interview the band the next day. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I guess so. I wouldn't say I'm a favorite band, but what's your? I mean, it. I'm a food. I love, I love awe and wonder, and I love stepping outside of my comfort zone. And my comfort zone is pizza with my kids. I know I'm gonna like that. And yesterday, I was driving home, and I went, "We get to go have dinner at the Catbird Seat tonight," and I've never eaten at the Catbird Seat tonight. Like, I've never done this I've, since it's open. I've lived here 30. I've never actually, but every time that I've wanted to go, I haven't been able to get a reservation. But we got this reservation, and I was giddy. I was giddy because I had no idea what to expect. I knew that I was going to be challenged culinarily. I knew that when I came, like, I was going to step outside my comfort zone and try foods. I didn't know what they were. And I was so pleasantly... Like, everything was perfect. Like, you guys crushed it. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Every day you do this. There is eight, I asked the woman, every course that we got, we got new silverware with every course. And they never looked the same. Like, every course has a different silver that paired exactly with what that, I didn't get spoons if I didn't need a spoon. Mm-hmm. And there was a moment where I had, um, you just use your hands and you set these little tablets in front of us and you poured water on them and then they expanded into napkins. And I was like, what the, f- what is going on here? Do you think, who thinks of that stuff? Well, some things we think of, some things we picked up along the way, just dining out. You know, I had like the little magic towels. We had those growing up as a kid, but they were usually like bath towels or washcloths <laughs> like we were yeah. talking about. Um, but I have a friend, uh, and we were going through so many hand rolled towels, having to like do laundry so often yeah. a week. Cause you know, we greet you with a warm towel and then, which was lovely, you know, you might get one or two more towels throughout the meal, depending on, on what we're serving. So we were just like going through so many towels and it was, uh, we needed to find like a better option. And I had a buddy who was using, those you know those same little towels and uh thankfully he told me where he sourced them so it was uh it's made it much easier on the 
the front of the house staff to not have to go do laundry, you know, two or three times a week, just, just once a week. So Yeah, I can imagine. Um, so I, look, I could talk to you about so many things. I took pictures of almost every dish last night. I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, cause I operate three restaurants and what you're doing is a completely different sport and it's hard not to compare because we're humans, mm-hmm. right? And it's not a better or worse. I'm constantly thinking about operations. I'm constantly thinking about the vision behind an execution of all of these things. And I have a 261 seat restaurant at Maribola. It's a, it's a mansion. And a lot of times we fill that thing up mm-hmm. and it's, it's, it's a beast when it's rolling. It's a, it's a monster and it's so different from that experience. But I want people to have a, I want them to have that on wonder and that, that joy of being there. It's just completely different. And I thought if you've never eaten at the catbird seat, I'd like to walk through that meal and kind of get your take on where you source some of these products, what the idea was behind it and pick your brain about it because I wouldn't in a million years be able to do one of those dishes. It's not as hard as you think. Well, that's what I want to get into. That's what I want to get into. First of all, I want to talk about your team. You had, uh, I think five chefs with you Mm -hmm. last night. The guy that was, the chef that was directly for me, I think his name was Connor. Yeah, he's my sous chef. He's your sous chef. Yeah. Guy was amazing. Like, just talking with him and his history. Tell me a little bit about the people that were working last night and what their roles are. Yeah, so, um, Connor, like I said, is my sous chef. He he worked for me back at Husk. Um, I don't remember when he started, when I was there, but 2016, 2015 at some point. Um, to the left of him, your right would have been, uh, Tristan. So he was actually our intern. Um, he's from Louisiana. The younger looking kid. Yeah. With the hat on. He was so polite. Like he, he, he looked like he fit in. He was very humble. Yeah. So he, we hired him on once his internship ended. Okay. Um, I think it's like the first, definitely the first restaurant you know, like this that he's worked at. Um, so it was How does pretty guy, eye-opening. He's, he learns a lot of lessons every week, you know. How does but, a guy like Tristan have the opportunity to come and intern with you? Um, well, we actually, like, lucky enough for him, had the space for an intern at the time um, that he applied. And we had had other people apply since, but um, unfortunately we don't, you know, it's such a s- small team. There's not a lot of room around there um, to move. But yeah, so he, I think he, he must have emailed me or called me. Um, right place, right time. Mm-hmm. And next you need somebody and great, let's go. Yep. Uh, Jalen on the opposite side who was kind of standing next to me with the, the dreads. Yeah, yeah, he, he's fantastic. Um, he used to work at Alinea. He was finishing school in uh, Wisconsin. And uh, I think he wrote me a letter and emailed me. Um or maybe he emailed me a letter and then wrote me on Instagram. I can't remember. So we let him come in and he staged with us for a couple of days. And then we ended up offering him a position because we had another kid who was leaving, um, who was actually also from Wisconsin. 
so he came and took his place. Uh, Costa, um, the older gentleman yeah. with no hair, uh, he and I have been friends for a long time. So I met him um, 2000, I'm trying to think now, 2008 or 2009, maybe. He was friends with the chef I was working for and used to come down and spend time with us. Um, so he and Connor are the only two currently that have been with me since I took over in June 2020. Okay, so you have him and Connor, you've been there since 2020. The others mm-hmm. have kind of come in, but I mean, that's a... I don't know, I think that that, that makes sense. Yeah. That you're bringing people in that are writing letters and want to work in that environment. You don't have to teach them a lot of about culture because they're really excited to be in the room. Right. And they will, yes, chef, I'm, I'm, I'm in. Mm-hmm. The opportunity to work at a place like the Catbird Seat is everything to them. Yeah, so we've been lucky. And, you know, it, it's hard because we I do get so many just the com- you know the company in general strategic gets a lot of emails and stuff but I can imagine with such a small team and very little turnover it's hard um we'll see move Brennan uh skinnier dude with the longer hair mm-hmm. uh he worked at Aska in New York and then was at uh worked at Momofuku Co and was in Belgium for a bit um he and his wife moved here uh so we were able to bring him on and then Shavam is from uh, New Delhi, India. Uh, when he, he used to work at ASCA as well, and he kind of spent the last few months of his uh, visa with us after he finished school and moved from New York. And then uh, went back to uh, Delhi, and then it took us a while, but we finally got a visa sorted for him. So nice. Uh, he's been back, I think, since January. And on the front of the house side, there was some really, the the women who were serving us were the kind of, they, they were so, it was amazing how unintrusive they were. I would sit down, I'd look down, and I'd be like, oh my gosh, like all the plates were gone, my glasses were refilled every time, mm-hmm. and then there was new silverware. And I didn't even see them do it 80% of the time, because I'm watching, and I'm just inspired by watching what you guys are doing. I didn't even notice that they were, doing all this, and they're seamlessly around the room. Who were the people that were serving us last night uh, so on the front of the house side? You have Genevieve, who is our, uh, you know, maitre d'. She takes care of all the reservations, contacts with the guests. Um, the one who met us downstairs? Mm-hmm. She's responsible for printing all the menus, um, updating all of our allergy, allergy sheets. She does, like, all the front of house kind of office stuff. Uh, Sarah is our beverage director. She was amazing. So she does a really good job with everything um, from like non-alcoholic to. But she already wine. knew that I didn't drink mm-hmm. and she offered, I know that you don't drink, but this is my non-alcoholic offerings. And we had a couple of like non-alcoholic wines that were, that were house made. I don't think they were yeah, like from a bottle. I think those were that, that were made in house. They were delicious. Yeah. She does all but two of them, I think. And, don't quote me on that, but I know um, our old beverage director, he and his uh, partner, um, she's a chef, so she works kind of in the culinary side, and they have a business in Atlanta. And then I know he makes like the red wine and something else, maybe like a rosé or something for us. So he's kind of starting his own um, 
non-alcoholic bottled beverage program down there. So we still, to support him, get a couple things from him, and then she does the rest. I thought that was so thoughtful that not only I didn't say it, but they knew it, Mm -hmm. and then there was a non-alcoholic pairing. So if you're thinking about going to the catbird seat, but you're intimidated by a wine pairing or any of this other stuff, I did not feel one bit like, oh, you don't drink? Mm -hmm. Fine. Like, it was... Of course, these are not, and it, it was it was just it was very comforting, cool, very intentional. And I love that. And then the person who greeted you upstairs, uh, Kayla, she kind of does a lot of behind the scenes, a lot of polishing and things like that. But she she does a lot of kind of uh, back weight touches, um, you know, getting all the silverware set up and filling in pretty much wherever we need her. She was to. the one I was talking about that was just like. A ninja. Yeah. I turned around and I was like, where, where did this, where did she go? And all of a sudden everything is set up for the next course. I was like, that's, that's so amazing how she would do that. All right. So let's walk people through this and then we're going to, and if we get off on rabbit holes, it's fine. Okay. I don't know what your time looks like today, but I'm going to show pictures. So you walk into the Keppard seat. They, they, they take you in and you sit down at a table uh, at, at this big bar. There's a bar. It's a U-shaped horseshoe, U-shaped bar. In the middle is where they, where you guys are cooking. Uh, they sit down and they give you some hot towels, kind of get your hands, and then you start off with your first course. They get drinks and things, but your first course, and this was a pretty hefty first course because there was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven components to the first course. Mm -hmm. And I think I loved each one more and more. And it kind of set the tone. To do seven different things on the first course, what is there an intentionality behind that? We used to do three snacks to start when I first took over, and it would be kind of, you know, uh, to set the tone of, like, the season. Um, not intentionally like a Kaseki restaurant would, but um, very similar where, like, you know, the first season I took over in was summer, so we did three bites of tomato. Um, as I got more comfortable in the restaurant and things evolved, I wanted, you know, it was like, all right, I, I really just want to cook seafood mostly, you know, so I have too many ideas. So the best way to get some of these different flavors, um, presented to people without having like 30, 40 courses was to do them as bites and do more like a fouille de mer, uh, but like a less traditional fouille de mer, um, and so, hence the the snacks that we start you with. So, you know, Sarah will pour the tea, drop the beverage, we do. talk There's to you a, about it. a warm it. tea also. Yep. And then, while people are thinking about it, it allows us to get some food for them as they're figuring out what they're going to do for beverages that night. So, it evolves. It started with three. Um, on the second term, we do 18 to 20 courses, and sometimes we'll pop some extra bites on there too. So you might have eight, nine, ten things on there. It just depends wow. on what we have available. If there's something really special that comes into season for a short time, we might throw it on there. So I want to talk about a couple of these items. First of all, you had oysters, and I don't, I don't like oysters. If there's anything you know, as I don't, I, I will eat an oyster all the time because mm-hmm. I feel like one day I'm going to eat an oyster that I like. I loved, I, I told my wife, I could eat a dozen of these. I don't know what you've done to the oyster, mm-hmm. but it's delicious. 
Is there anything you special do, or is it just a very uh, high-quality oyster? I think it was from Delaware. Really nice oysters from North Carolina. North Carolina. Uh, okay. Dukes of Topsail Sound, so they're from Wilmington. Okay. Um, that Wilmington. That's what it was. Yeah. I was thinking Wilmington. And as... They kind of evolve throughout the year, uh, but now their gills begin to um, turn green uh, just from, you know, what they what they filter. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're super flavorful right now. We do, we steam them just to set them for a minute so they're not kind of the loose, raw oyster texture. That must be it. But then we grill them. So okay. they're warm, so they're not going to, a lot of people think oysters are slimy or whatever, so that's why you're not having that textural issue that a lot of people have. Now, there was a, as, as the chef set this down, he explained every single thing. This was uh, Connor mm-hmm. sat down and explained every single thing. So if you're wondering, like, I don't know what this stuff is. And by the way, if you're listening to this, you can go to uh, the, our Instagram page at Nashville Restaurant Radio. And on the post where I talk about this episode being live, there's going to be several pictures. You just swipe to the side. You can see the pictures of these dishes. I'm going to put them on there so you can now... If you want to know what we're talking about, you can go to that Instagram page and you can look at that picture right now and kind of go, okay, that's where we're at. Now, if you're looking at that picture, on the bottom, there's this these little cups. Mm-hmm. Will you, they just He described what was in that cup, and I think it was yellowfin, I think was one of the... Bluefin. Th- blue, bluefin. Yeah. There was, I knew there was a, a bluefin and there was some sort of a fin mm-hmm. but it was so fast and it was loud and i was trying to take in the first three things that he said there were so many components to that and that was one of the most delicious things i ever put in my mouth can you describe what that is that little cup it looks like there's a like something fried on top of it like the tiny little strings yeah so um this is otoro so fatty tuna belly this um this whole side of tuna gets aged for 18 days and we're getting, we get this from a gentleman named Leeway out of uh, Los Angeles who has a, a, like a fish butchery called the joint seafood. Okay. So this, and it's flown in. Uh, yeah. So this is, he gets almost all of our fishes from either uh, Japan or New Zealand. We do bring some stuff from Pacific coast of, uh, the U S of California. Um, down through Mexico and then um, Norway, France. So it just depends. Wow. Spain, Portugal. So you don't use any local seafood We do vendors. some. I mean, it's we do we do for some things, but it's tough because uh, we do a lot of Northeast stuff too. But um, we found that we can get f- fresher fish from overseas than we can from, uh, you know, Florida, Georgia, Alabama, sure, North, you know, certain places, North Carolina, um, just because there's not a lot of day boats down in the Gulf, so uh, you could get a day boat fish that's brought into the market from Japan. It's kept alive until you order it, and then they will kill it right there and pack it and send it. So sometimes it gets here and it's still in rigor mortis, and it's you know halfway around the world. So. Wow. Um. Yeah, anyway, so, so bluefin belly. Yeah, bluefin belly. Uh, aged. Aged. And then smoked eel uh, coming from American Unagi in Maine. Um, we dress those with masumi, so like um, a condiment. It's like a roasted, uh, like sake mirandashi. Uh, and then we have fresh medjool dates uh, that get grilled 
uh, until they begin to like blister and caramelize from the natural sugars. We toss those in a smoked onion oil. Uh, and that all gets filled inside the sourdough crustade. So we take, when we feed our sourdough, we take the half of it out that's going to get discarded and we make a batter out of that. And then we form that into those cups and then just finish it with a little fried leek. How did you think of that? Like, I, this is what I'm talking about. Like, just the the dashi you're talking about and aging these products and pulling the medjool date in the end. Is this because you've eaten this at home? Did you find yeah. this somewhere else? Did you, were you driving down the road and you were like, if I got bluefin belly and I made these, I marinated these things together and I moved this, I wonder what that would taste like? And you just tried it one day or like, how does that work? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, um, <clears throat> I think probably for this one, it was more thinking of like, like a smoky country ham, like a Benton's country ham. Uh, and we've done different like fish hams in the past, but we, we didn't have one. We just had this really nice, super fatty uh, belly. So it was like, you know, ham goes really well with, you know, if you think of like a chipped gravy or something. Yeah. You know, like what elements can you serve this with? You know, like something that's super savory. Um, but also like ham goes well, like on a charcuterie plate with a preserve or a jelly. You know, so kind of. Is that where right, the date comes in? We don't ha- Yeah, so we don't have ham, but we can get smokiness from the eel, which is also fatty. So we almost do them like a tartare because the, the tuna is raw. We dress it, um, add a little fresh chive for like fresh allium flavor. You have the smoked allium flavor, the smoked eel, so to kind of bring in that like almost meatiness from the smoke, if you will. And then uh, the date's going to bring some more richness. And the masumi has a little bit of vinegar, so it, it will bring some acid. So I try to, in every dish, balance... Uh, every like flavor compound so you know like there will always be sweet salty acidic um bitter and like an umami element um but it just depends on which direction like one dish like a we'll get there but like desserts are sweet <laughs> well the banana caviar things in it right so i was gonna say have you seen the new wonka movie i haven't yet no okay we went and saw the new wonka movie the other day and it is wonderful and whimsical and exciting and one of those he this isn't really a spoiler alert but i want to give a spoiler if you haven't seen the new wonka movie it's uh young wonka Mm -hmm. as he was getting started but he was making these chocolates that aren't just milk chocolate here it's it's not candy bars he's blending 10 15 different ingredients into a special cocoa bean that was from a far-off land and as people would eat this chocolate, they would go, oh my gosh, I taste all these different things. And some some of them, he would put a fizzy lifting gas to, mm-hmm. to reference the, the first movie where they would eat the chocolate and they would float away. Or like the, there's properties of this. And my wife said, this, I feel like I'm in that Wonka movie because I take a bite of this and it's like, oh, there's the t- tuna, but oh, no, there, there's a new mommy scent. Oh, but it's crunchy, but then there's sweet on the fan. But then it was like the dishes just kept going, and I hit every sense. We talked about this, and then on the way home last night, every car light 
that we passed, like, why are the lights so bright on cars to try? I like, I'm so sensitive to light. And I was like, I'll bet there was something in one of those dishes that like the Wonka chocolate that made me sensitive to light. Cause maybe. there's so many, and, and I know that's not a thing, but, but maybe cause yeah. as, as a whole, I'm not used to that. Could be how dim it is in there too with the lights, you know, but that's, that's what I felt like. Every dish you'd eat, and then you'd be like, what is that? Wow. And it just kept going. It was layered, and it's structured, and everyone worked. So that gives me some some background on that. Right. In the middle of this dish, you know, the, the one next to it, we just describe that one. The one next to that dish, the little cup, yeah, which I think had some Bear Creek beef fat that was mm-hmm. drizzled and some different things. What do we have going on here? So... Uh we had a bunch of leftover grits. We fermented with um, some yeast and sugar, and we cooked that down into uh, like a real thick porridge afterwards to cook the alcohol off. Fry it up like a grit cake. So it gets mixed into a batter, steamed, fried. On top, you have a uh, cured uh, beef fat from Bear Creek Farm, so cured like country ham. Okay. But with uh, a little fenugreek, so... It almost takes on like a little bit of a sweetness, like maple syrup. And then um, on top is squid that gets sliced super thin and then just very gently warmed on a piece of parchment paper in a uh, cast iron. Dressed with uh, squid garum, sauce that we make with like a squid garum. And then... Um, What's a squid? What is a squid so garum? It's like a, it's like a fish sauce that we make from squid. Okay. And that gets cooked down with sake, mirin, a bunch of things and kind of uh, cooked down until it's uh, like a syrup. And then is uh, it like a standard recipe for making that? Is there is that like a that this is how you make the squid garum and you put these things in it, or is that stuff? No, is that like it's a more like a sauce that you made that you just well, played with until it tasted great? It's almost like a like an oyster sauce, like you know, a, the idea of like a Chinese oyster sauce. So mm-hmm. um, just we make it with different things. So we used to do a dish with spiny lobster, and we made a garum from the heads the year before. So. We had like a spiny lobster, you know, oyster sauce, essentially. Uh, so it's like thick, sweet, but also like kind of salty uh, and just kind of reinforces the flavor of whatever ingredient we're trying to highlight. Got it. Will. Uh, and then we finished it with furikake, which is uh, Japanese rice seasoning, uh, like different toasted things, uh, seaweed, nori, um, sesame. Delicious. Thank you. I want... I- I want to know what's in the middle too, okay? Because that had the caviar. That's a beluga. <coughs> beluga. I have the menu right here. Yeah, so that's a Kaluga caviar. Um, on top. Oh, that was the pistachio bisque. I was thinking about the Kaluga caviar. Mm-hmm. And what what is that? So, um, these are the claws from blue lobsters from Brittany, France. Okay. Local broccoli and then um, house made feta cheese. And the feta gets brined in uh, a leftover brine that we make. So we save all of our dill stems and we pack them like capers to use in sauces. And then we take that liquid that's left over. So you have this like intensely dill flavored, um, super salty, acidic brine, essentially. Do you throw anything away? I try not to. I mean, because in the hood... You have these things hanging in the hood, and I'm like, what is... So that in the middle of the kitchen, they have this little stove that's got coals that you're cooking everything over, and then it creates smoke, and there's a hood above there. But you have all these things hanging 
from the hood and there's like bones and like a look like a neck kind of a thing. I asked you what it was and mm-hmm. you said it was the, the bloodline of a fish and then yep. the, uh was it um it wasn't turbo. What was the fish? Yeah, it's the the fish's uh, booty. So it's a uh, an amberjack. Amberjack from Japan and then the bones were the turbo bones. Okay, the turbo bones. Yep. And what do you do with those? Uh so we m- both of those go into a sauce um that we use later on. We also use we'll use like the fish bones sometimes in sauces instead of adding like bonito, like Japanese um bonito. So if you're making a dashi or something. Uh so just trying to minimize waste the best we can and um not everything's successful that we try to utilize, but um, you well, know, we'll try it. I mean, I just think about what I do and I watch my guys in, in a place where we're anticipating New Year's Eve to do 500 covers, you know, and it's a four course meal, four course meal, but that's an entree. And they're, I mean, they're cutting all these ribeyes and all these steaks and there's just waste. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're just, there's just a trash can. They're cutting all the salmon and there's just these little lines and they cut it and it just goes in the trash and it's gone. And I'm like, we could be probably doing a ton with that stuff. Yeah. Like, you don't do that, do you? No, I mean, I, I would love to take it even further with compost and stuff. And just, we're not able to in our, our space that we have, you know. It's tiny. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I feel like there's, you know, we have to we have to try to figure out how to get the most out of really everything that we have and you know like i said with that the bury the the guts were the only thing that went into the trash we were serving so we aged them uh we we made a sauce from the livers uh almost like you would like monkfish liver and we were serving the grilled uh loins with that sauce the bellies went into a tartare for the fuit de mer um the heads in any trim get cooked down in butter with tons of aromatics uh, and then cooked down to like all the moisture. Has that was the sauce on the turbo. Well, the, the, f- when we grill our fish, we brush it with Let's that butter. Okay. And that's what it we, was. And then once the fish comes off, we brush it again before we season it and put it on there. So, you know, just still trying to add more flavor any way we can. So we do the same thing with, um, know beef trim will render down the fat the tallow and use it for different things sometimes we'll use it in a tart shell or you know we might brush beef with it like the beef gets a sauce um, which we can talk about later but gets a sauce utilizing any beef that's left over at the end of the night we char it until there's no moisture left in it and then uh, dehydrate it and then age it in soy sauce and then that soy sauce becomes the base of the sauce for the beef. And then the rendered beef fat gets brushed on there as well. So do you have another prep kitchen somewhere yeah. that like, where do you store all this stuff? Cause I didn't see, I saw some reach in cool. Do you have a huge walk-in in the back that looks like we a have laboratory? A, we do have a walk-in downstairs and it, it, I wouldn't say it quite looks like a laboratory, but it's, it's, uh, it's not ideal for how much stuff we preserve, but we get creative on, you know, do you have a kind of store thing? Do you have an inventory of this stuff? You know what everything is and where it is. I have. Uh, we do have an inventory. It changes very often, um, so we'll we'll kind of update it once every couple months. But 
How much of these are your ideas and how much of, do you have a culture where you have some, I mean, everybody who works there is incredibly talented. I mean, they're, they're chefs in their own rights. Do they come to you a lot with, Hey, I learned this one time. If I do this with the dill stems, I can make these pack them like capers. It's going to create a sauce. And you're like, yeah, do it. Or are these all Sometimes. your ideas? Like how often I mean, does that happen? It dep- at, at, You know, it's a, an open space for everybody to bring ideas. Um, some people bring more than others. Uh, you know, I'd. Do you prefer that? I'm okay with everybody bringing ideas because I'd rather them try to be creative than, um, you know, just, you know, juice butternut squash and then just throw all the pulp away, you know. So uh, everybody, a lot of them worked in different kitchens. So everybody has different ideas that they bring. Um, but I think it's it's important for them to think on their own a little bit. It doesn't mean that it's going to go on the menu uh, or it's going to be successful, but I prefer them to come with ideas. Yeah, always. Um, doesn't mean it always work, but I mean, right. it could be that there could, there's something there in that idea that might work. Yeah. I mean. And then, you know, it's a lot of times when young cooks have ideas, they have all these ideas and they want you to order stuff in for them to play with. And it's like there's so much stuff around here, you know, like what do we have an excess of that we need to try to utilize? Turn that into something. Yeah. And that, you know, so it's also in that uh, sense, I don't want to say helps with food costs, but like if you're going to run a business one day, if you're just constantly bringing new things in, it's expensive. Yeah. Eventually, you know, you're going to be like, we're, you know, well, it's every, you know, every time you get a new bar manager in my world, you get a new bar manager, they want to change the house wines and they want to bring in all the, well, the, I, I, I picked up absolute vodka because they said they give me seven flavored vodkas for a dollar each. Mm-hmm. And now we have eight different flavored vodkas behind them. You're like, ah, don't no, Just stop, stop, stop. stop. Yeah. No, 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 we're not doing that. But that's a entry position for us where they're moving into being right. a bar manager. That's not a some who's first time doing that. I mean, yeah. I mean, so yeah, it's, it's important and like kind of where this started. I mean, we've been doing it since I was at McCready's, you know, we, we had a guy making soy sauces from every grain that Sean could get his hands on from Anson Mills at the time, you know, but I think I took over during COVID and we had a lot of purveyors. I was coming back to town and a lot of purveyors that I had relationships from Husk and from Bastion, you know, and they're like, can you just take, I have so much, I had to throw away so much a couple months ago because no restaurants were open. And it's like, I, I just, I don't know what to do with all this. So we just started taking on as much as we can to help, you know, them out. Yeah. And then it's like, what are we going to do with 20 flats of tomatoes? <laughs> so, you know, we, we make Pizza like, party. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we make a, like a tomato bouillon. We juice and ferment a bunch of the tomato. We took all the pulp and made a tomato and do ya for like our vegetarian option for one of the tomato, but you know, so we just started doing all these things. And then I started using the, all these different ferments that we had going in place of, or with wines and like traditional sauces. So like, why can't I cook down? Why does it have to be a Burr Blanc made with vermouth? And this isn't like not new, I'm sure. <laughs> it's been done before, but it's like 
why can't I use like fermented green tomato juice instead of vermouth in this sauce or champagne mixed with, you know, rose vinegar or, you know, just whatever. Um, so that's the process. Yeah. You have something and then you, there's a traditional way to do it. And you go, well, what if I throw tradition to the side and try something different? Mm-hmm. And then you, was the last time you tried something that was like, that does not work. Like that is disgusting. Probably more recent than I remember. I, pro- I probably tried to block it. Uh, <laughs> there was something we did. I can't remember exactly what it was. Uh, probably in the summertime, I feel like there was something. We are like, oh, I feel like this would work. And Connor and I tasted it. And we're like, mm. yeah, we'll just scratch that idea. Okay, let's get back to the dinner last night. Because there's this one is, I think that if you're listening to this, hopefully you would start understanding that this isn't your average steak and potato kind of a dinner. I mean, this there's a lot of thought and a lot of intentionality to every single course. This one is a fun one because if you're following along, this has a pink, it's a white bowl and it looks like there's pink. It looks like from the picture, Himalayan sea salt or something on top, but it's not. That is a frozen apple. Mm-hmm. So tell me about this dish because this one did that. You kind of, you took a bite of it and it was cold, but then it was sweet, but then it was savory. Then I think there, I, I, I got a little bit of umami. I don't know what it, what is ake ebe? So it's Am a, I saying that uh, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a red shrimp uh, from Hawaii. But it was raw. Raw. So they're, they're, they're kind of prized for their texture because it's so creamy. Well, yeah. You know, like, uh. We served a lot of different shrimp and prawns raw at the restaurant, but the texture of this is amazing because it's like so rich. It was incredible. You wouldn't expect it because it's like it's a piece of shrimp, you yeah. know. But um, so we just add, you know, I say sashimi style, even though it's it's like little kind of diced pieces of the uh, the shrimp. But um, we get fresh wasabi in from Japan, um, and then the ice is mountain rose apples. So we just they're just juiced. Um, and then we made an extract from some locally grown Belgian chrysanthemum flowers. Uh, and then we infuse that. So this, this dish actually came from an idea that I had at, um, McCready's. So we used to do project nights at McCready's on Wednesday nights or something. I can't remember, but you could sign up for a project night and then create your own dish after service. Everybody clean the kitchen and then five or six people would make a dish. We'd taste it. And then, you know, the chef, Jeremiah and, uh, Dano, they would go over every dish with everybody and usually like kind of rip it apart. But every once in a while you'd have one that they enjoyed, you know, uh, and Did this, this one get ripped apart. Uh, no, I, I think it needed work. This one, like I served with like cooked shrimp with granny Smith apple that had celery juice and chrysanthemum extract in it radish radish it was like just very it's a busy. bunch of stuff well so this is and it finally i've been thinking about this dish since then you know since 2010 and it's finally i've found like the correct way to present it to someone how many dishes like that are are living in your brain right now too many thousands too many <laughs> i mean like where that's you're... why i paint there's too many uh i have to turn it off at eventually at some point so. so that's what you do you do watercolor paintings right? yeah it just it gives me like gives me a creative outlet that isn't um food focused yeah and then i found at husk i used to keep a notebook next to to my bed because 
I would get home and read cookbooks and stuff, try to go to sleep and then wake up and have like an idea. And not that I sleep any better now, but I don't, (laughs) I try not to think about food after like once service ends, I'm not. Well, you've got watching a, or thinking about anything food related anymore. You know, so. you've got like a four and a half year old and a three year old at home. I mean, you know those those things are good, pretty good to take your mind off of it. But sometimes having the capacity to get back down there with them mm-hmm. is difficult if you yeah. don't turn it off first. Mm-hmm. Is that ever a challenge for you? Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's there are times too where it's like, all right, I know like a new season's coming up and we want to start changing some things, and I need to sit down and like focus. All right, I need to build out a little order sheet what do I need to to get in and I do most of those orders on Sundays so it's like a little hectic in the mornings um do you have like a space in your house that you go to that's like it's like at the kitchen table and there's kids running around and yeah my dad dad, my art desk is kind of in our when you walk into our house there's like a playroom and then my desk is in there and like our all of our books um but it's you know I have just art stuff like and toys everywhere, so I usually just do them at the at the dining room table, you know. But it's still like it's kind of hectic, and it, I I want to like I had a guest that came in a couple of years ago, and they're like, you know, the most important thing is like when you're home, be home with your kids, and you know the first two years it was tough because you know I was not I don't want to say I was more involved with the restaurant, but I had a smaller staff, I had much more like. Responsibility. responsibility to that I was keeping on and since you know I've let, let you know kind of passed that on but uh well you've got now you've got Connor who's been there since you've been there and you've got these people that you trust mm-hmm. there's a trust you have in your team yeah. and that over time you build that that's amazing I had I had this epiphany a little while ago I don't, I don't know if this is going to make any sense to you but I live in a very adult world And everything that I do is all adult shit, so to speak. And when I get home, I've got, my boys are 8 and 10 now. But they're kids. They live in a very kid world where they play and they have no clue what I've dealt with through the day. Mm -hmm. They don't know anything about leadership or any of the things that I'm trying to drive in this company. I come home and they know... I like Fortnite, I like to play basketball, let's go play soccer. And I have a difficult time transitioning from adult to, to kid dad. And that's a there's a moment there that I need a few minutes to go, okay, I'm not an adult anymore. I've got to come down to their world and be kid dad. And it's it's it takes me a minute and I have to be very intentional with it. Otherwise I become frustrated because I'm not a kid. Mm-hmm. Do you ever feel that? Yeah, and I, f- I feel it a lot. In the mornings, my wife, she's a teacher, so she's not there. You know, like, usually towards the end of the week, like Thursday, Friday, um, you know, only five hours, four hours of sleep, and then it's like kids aren't listening or they're just like, you know, want to play instead of get ready for school. And it's, you know, like I've, I've learned patience, but it, that is something I'm constantly working on. Um, you know, it's like one of the hardest things, but I think, it's helped transition a little bit into the restaurant. Um, what do you mean with by how that? I, with how I deal with certain things. Um, do you feel like you have more patience now than you would have? Yeah, I think so. Um, or just like how I'll react to a situation now than how I would have 
10 years ago, you know, so. But Parent, I think, parenting I think is an amazing there's tool. Ti- there are times where it's like, you know, sometimes you have to go back a little bit and let the old what? come out. Because, you know, like, I don't like repeating myself. So it's <laughs> well, I don't think anybody does. Seven times. I, 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 I live by this theory with my leadership team, and I say seven times. you got to tell somebody something seven times before they understand it. Because what's obvious to me is obvious to me. Mm-hmm. That phrase is a, is a Will Gadara phrase. What's obvious to me is obvious to me. I can walk around the restaurant and go, why are all these things happening? And I can feel a, a, a type of way about stuff. But unless I communicate that effectively to everybody, what's obvious to me is obvious to me. It's not obvious to you. And mm-hmm. it needs to be obvious to you too. So I'm constantly just over explaining. And my biggest thing is like, you've already told me that twice. And I'm like, good, four more times and you're in. Like yeah. four more times, seven times, I'm going to tell you these things. And then it will, and it, it kind of works. Like people know, oh, this is what's obvious to him. Now it's obvious to me. And it's a first six times. Tough. Yeah, I got, I'm like a, th- by time three, I'm over it. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, you have yeah, more than I got. Yeah. Well, I've a lot, lot more people. Um, the movie, I, I, I love that movie Wonka. I, and I love, did you see the second iteration of, Mary Poppins. Did you watch mm-hmm. that? The new Mary Poppins. Yeah. I I couldn't talk after that movie ended for like an hour. I was just in my head because we as adults just get into this very serious world. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I was brought back to that place last night. Whimsical awe and wonder. You know, because that's the thing that if you, uh, we, did, we did Santa Claus at our restaurant. We brought Santa Claus in and, and he's sitting at a table or at a, at a chair and kids would walk in and their eyes would light up so big. And they would like grab their parents and start yanking on their coat and like, Santa's right there. And just like that awe and wonder is inspiring to me. Mm-hmm. Like I, I never want to lose that. I want to feel that in some way every day if I can. If it's driving down the street and looking at a farm pasture and being like, God, that's beautiful. You know, just, just stopping and smelling the roses kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. But last night I got to sit down there and I, I was able to put away like my restaurant hat, my interview hat for a, a minute and really just be turned on to some really amazing food. So thank you for that. And I, I, I look back to those movies as a, they bring me back to it. They center me mm-hmm. like a, Hey, why so serious? It's okay. Like, have fun out there. And it seems like you guys were doing that. With this chrysanthemum and wasabi Hawaiian shrimp, which is what we were talking about before we went on this long. Uh, like I said, we're going to do this. It's okay. That's right. So that one had the ice with the apple and then that shrimp with the perfect creaminess. That I, I was a little nervous. I'm like, raw shrimp? What are we doing here? Mm-hmm. But it was, a, it was, I mean, it was a home run. The next dish was a pistachio bisque with the Brittany lobster, beluga caviar, and kiwi. Mm-hmm. This one right here. Yep. Tell me what's going on there. Because it was just, it was like a bunch of different colors. And you can, if you're following along, this is the one with the clear plate. You see the caviar in the middle. And you kind of said, I think you dropped this one off to us. Said it, it was with a spoon. And you said, dig deep in because there's a cream in that one. Or was that? That was the next. That was this one. Yeah. That was this one. Okay. Sorry. So tell me about this dish. Um, so 
We're going to take this opportunity to hear a couple words from our sponsors. First off, I want to tell you about Robin's Insurance. Yes, it's a new year, and you should be looking at exactly who your insurance partner is. You know, it's funny, the Robbins, Van Robbins and Matthew Clements came into Chagos the other day, and we were sitting talking, and I said, yeah, really excited. We have Brian Baxter coming on the show. We've got Max Goldberg coming on the show. Uh, we've got Christina. She owns the uh, Legendary Milkshake Shack, and they're like, oh, yeah, we we work with those guys. The uh, Max Goldberg and Van Robbins went to school together. I mean, these are people in our community that have lived in Nashville who operate this insurance company. Uh, they use society insurance. And let me tell you, that's what you need. You need somebody who grew up here in Nashville, who understands the restaurant scene, who understands what's going on in our city, and they want to help. So how do you get a hold of somebody like this? You're going to call Matthew Clemens at 863-409-9372. And let me tell you, we work with them in all of our restaurants, and they are amazing. You can make one phone call, and they got it. No problem. Brandon will take care of it. Done. It is so nice to work with locals. So that is Robin's Insurance. For all of your insurance needs, business and personal, give them a call right now. Sharpie's Bakery. I think I just made them up a jingle. If you have a restaurant and you love bread and your guests love bread, then you should be giving them the best bread that you possibly can. And if you have it delivered every single day, that's going to help with your quality. And that is what Sharpies does. Go check them out at sharpies.com. That's C-H-A-R-P-I-E-R-S.com. They have been making fresh baked bread and delivering it to your back door for 37 years. Yes, local bakery. They would love to have your support. Give Erin Moso a call today. Her number is 615-319-6453. Hey, and my last one here today is, of course, we're talking about Supersource. These guys, Jason Ellis. I mean, gosh, how, how long have you been hearing his name on this show? More and more, I, I still continue to have guests come in here and say, dude, that Jason Ellis guy is the best I heard him about on your show. That's music to my ears, and I would love for Jason to have more of those stories. Uh, you can call Jason. You can call Jason Ellis right now. His number is 770-337-1143. Look, just call him and say, hey, man, I heard about you on Nashville Restaurant Radio. Brandon says you can come down and check out my whole system. It doesn't cost me anything. And that you'll tell me if you can help me or not. There's long contracts you might be in. He might not be able to do anything. But he can come in and tell you what they're doing. So you can go back and stop hemorrhaging money now. He will work as a consultant to help you save money with your current vendor now. That's not just, hey, I'll sell you a dish machine and some chemicals. He really wants you to succeed. And then if you have time and if you can change and get out of your 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 contract and you will go over to Supersource, well, guess what? He will not make you sign another contract. Again, 770-337-1143. Absolutely recommend Jason Ellis and Supersource Nashville. Okay. That's right. So that one had the ice with the apple and then that shrimp with the perfect creaminess. That I, I was a little nervous. I'm like, raw shrimp? What are we doing here? Mm-hmm. But it was, a, it was, I mean, it was a home run. The next dish was a pistachio bisque. 
with the Brittany lobster beluga caviar and kiwi. Mm-hmm. This one right here. Yep. Tell me what's going on there. Cause it was just, it was like a bunch of different colors and you can, if you're following along, this is the one with the clear plate. You see the caviar in the middle and you kind of said, I think you dropped this one off to us said it, it was with a spoon and you said, dig deep in. Cause there's a cream in that one. Or was that, that was the next, that was this that was one. Cusp- yeah. That was, that was one. this one. Okay. Sorry. So tell me about this dish. Um, so <laughs> I, uh, I don't know how I came up with this. One. I, I have done kiwi in the past. One time we did, uh, we actually were getting these blue prawns from France called crystal blue prawns. And we were serving them raw with caviar and dressing them in a little fermented kiwi. And then underneath, I we had some celery. I was like, it needs a creaminess, but I, you know, I don't want to just put like mayonnaise or something on there. So to add the creaminess to those shrimp, because they're more like that kind of, I don't want to say chewy shrimp texture, but more of what you would expect a raw prawn texture to be. We cook celery root down, strain it, and then puree it, and then add. Uh, Cupy mayo too it was like a japanese mayonnaise instead of butter or cream so it gave it the acidity that you would get from mayonnaise um but also like kind of that umami you get from cupy mayo and then the vegetalness of the celery root so it was like you know instead of using celery with shrimp like a pickled shrimp or something doing that so anyways i wanted to do something with these lobsters. And I was like, I don't really want to do a soup. Cause I don't think we have enough room for like a soup soup on the menu, obviously. So, uh, cook celery root down into a bisque with just leeks, celery root, uh, milk and cream. And then when we puree it, we add a bunch of Sicilian pistachio paste to it, uh, instead of butter. So it's going to add like some nuttiness. Um, and richness because I think kiwi and pistachio go well together. So then we have this really nice um, pistachio oil from France that we put like a healthy amount on top. And then the kiwi is fresh kiwi uh, coming from California. And then that's just kind of macerated in um, like clarified fermented kiwi juice. Um, just to add some clarified more clarified like, fermented kiwi juice. Yeah. So we've juice it for like pretty much puree it and ferment it and then let it pass through a coffee filter. Okay. Um, and then that's going to add like a different kind of saltiness to it. than the bisque has a little like acid, some kind of like almost a new mommy from the lactic acid from fermenting it. And then you have sweetness from the fresh kiwi. Um, and like I said, I try to balance everything. So then to add more like of an intense salt, we use this, uh, beluga hybrid caviar, which is much saltier than the other two caviars that we're serving right now. How much, like, where do you find Brittany lobster from France? Like, is that just, does somebody call you from your seafood company overseas and say, Hey, we pulled some blue lobster out or whatever the, the, this Brittany lobster it's beautiful when I've got 10 pounds of it or well, how we, does that work? We use, we have a, I mean, we're lucky enough that, um, specialty purveyors reach out to us, you know, but, uh, 
Because they want to be featured on the menu? Or they want yeah, they your like product? Sell, sell their product, you know. But this, this guy used to be um, in the industry, in the kitchen. He worked at a, a three-star in San Francisco and then left and started this company called Dorsha Provisions. Um, so we get a lot of really nice uh, produce from California from him. Door ship provision. Dorsha. 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 Okay. Kind of like a movie American Psycho. Dorsha. Dorsha. Provisions. Um, so, obviously, growing up in Florida, tropical fruit is like something I really enjoy. So, we're lucky to get a lot of things from California. Um, we've also gotten nice, we get squab and um, different things from there. Uh, but he also has access to like, a lot of the stuff on the Pacific coast. Uh, so spot prawns, crab, different things. Um, and then, uh, he's the guy will buy stuff from France from uh, the market there. So he's bringing in these, uh, Brittany lobsters. Cause we were doing this with spinies at first from Florida, which I do. I like the, the Florida spinies. I think they're a little sweeter than like the really large ones you can get from Australia. So for this dish, they made a little more sense, but then some of that weather a month or so ago kind of made it difficult to to get the spinies for a couple of weeks. So we brought in some of these and they're like five times the price, but I think they're like flavor wise. Oh, it's delicious. They're really nice. So we I mean, bring these in. And there's like two bites on this dish. I mean, you look at this caviar, the lobster, everything else. I mean, the cost on this dish, does that, is that something that you have to look at? I mean, or is that not even an option for you? Are you looking at this going, I'm just trying to make the best flavors possible. Cost is not an option. We will charge what we need to charge. Our guests understand that this is the North Star. It's just got the flavors got to be there. I don't care what it is. Um, I start with the flavors and what I want to serve, and then we'll adjust other dishes kind of around certain dishes. So, I mean, let's be honest, this, this menu, if we were in any other major city would be $385 a person probably. Right. So, or at least two ninety five, Uh, and then our second course would be up in the three hundreds if we've had two or three Michelin stars and no one would blink at it. But I think here easy and we're not, we're not upcharging you for the truffle, the white truffle. We're not upcharging you for the black truffle. No, you know, on the second menu, we give you three different kinds of caviar and we're using all the same ingredients. Um, but I'm also running a business, so I have to pay attention to the food cost and what it is. Um, cause at the end of the day, if I'm running a 50% food cost, Ben and Max <laughs> aren't going to be happy just because everybody says like the food's amazing. Well, no, I mean, it's, it is a business at the end of the day, but you're creating something that you can't get anywhere. I mean, the exclusivity of what you're doing and the, and the, what I'm, I went, I went last night when I got home and I went on Yelp and I didn't leave a review. I, I'm happy to go do so, but I just, I was looking at like, who could write this out like a one star and there's like two or three, one star. We all have one star reviews, Yeah. but I'm like, what the hell is wrong with people? I think some I mean, people, 99% of them are, this is the greatest eating experience I've ever had. But some people are like, this is, you know, it's too expensive or this. Then it's like, guys, like you have no idea. Yeah, I mean, it, you, you know, like anything we ship from, you know, like the cheapest shipping from for the stuff we're getting from California is like $100. 
a box. So if we're getting two orders in a week, it's just $200 just in shipping per box. So if it's a big order, you, you know, like sh- the shipping's expensive on it. And then you're bringing in these products where like, all right, you might pay twelve fifty a pound for a fish from the Gulf where I'm paying anywhere up to $95 a pound. You know, when yeah. we were getting in, you know, we use Bear Creek beef, uh, but f- for a little bit there, it was, it was hard for us to get the cut we wanted. We were having to use 110, $120 a pound Wagyu because, you know, like I, I, people also like if they're paying a certain price or expecting a certain price, you know, so, um, I, people, you know, and it's not a dig on them, but like, I don't think if somebody just Googles best restaurants in Nashville and they book the first five on the list they don't really know what they're getting themselves into. And the person next to them is somebody that travels just to dine at restaurants like this. They're going to have two different ideas and maybe experiences. And then there are some that don't know what they're getting into and are like really surprised. But there's also people that come in and have a lot of restrictions because they don't like eating certain things. And then it's not going to be as enjoyable. Well, we, we, t- we touched on that in our last interview. Um, the couple next to me, the loveliest people. They were so nice. I loved getting to talk to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they were in from Nebraska. Mm-hmm. And they said they Googled best restaurants in Nashville and this came up. So they made a reservation. And they, I don't think they knew. They were just like, no, we just Googled this. So we made a reservation. We're here for three days. We had a couple small kids. And this was like a getaway for their 10-year wedding anniversary. Loveliest couple. But I don't think they had any idea the level of I mean, maybe they did. I don't, I don't, but it was just a, we just Googled this and saw this Mm -hmm. and made a reservation and here we are. Yeah. Do you get a lot of, I mean, I'm expecting to see, you know, people dressed up and there were, but then there was a guy wearing a hoodie, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's like, do you just get a lot of tourists who don't understand what this is? And they're like, Oh, I didn't know it was just this intimate kind of a deal. Or well, I think the people that come <clears> in the hoodies <throat> probably dine at these restaurants more than the people that don't, you know, uh, I, I remember years <laughs> ago, I, I asked, uh, Renee red like, do you guys don't have a dress code? Cause I, I got to dine at the first Noma before it closed. Cause we were there. Um, cooking for Mad Symposium, and it was like me, Maddie Matheson, my buddy Morgan, um, a couple of the guys that worked for him, and then like Ivan Raman, and someone else was with us. And Maddie was in like a Toronto Blue Jays uh, jersey and like <laughs> I swear like camo pants or something, you know. And I had like a nice because I asked like, is there a dress code? And, you know, Morgan's like, no, no, just whatever you want, mate. So I had on like, you know, like a nice shirt and khakis or whatever. Sure. And I asked him, I was like, you guys don't have a dress code. And he was like, it's hard for us to have a dress code if someone sails their boat up in the summertime, parks it right there and it's coming in to eat. Like we can't tell them to put on a suit. He's like, but we also want them to be comfortable when they're dining. Yeah. So I don't like having to, you know, you go eat at restaurants where they like require a jacket. I'll wear a jacket to a restaurant if I feel like dressing up, but I don't like dining at restaurants where I'm required to dress a certain way. Cause it's not who I am. I can't, I don't like, I shouldn't have to no. portray something. I'm not for you to serve me, you know? So I want people to come in however they want. I, I, 
I totally understand that. I'm a full on look good, feel good, respect. You know, you're you have spent so much time and energy and passion to to create this and you're so intentional with everything. My kind of take is I want to dress well because I respect what you're doing and I mm-hmm. want to show you that respect. Plus when I'm eating food like that, if I look good, I feel good and I'm confident and going into eating food that I've never eaten before or I'm trying something brand new, I want to feel confident. Mm-hmm. I don't want to feel like I'm laying on the couch eating ice cream and, yeah. you know, I don't hope nobody sees me. Mm-hmm. I want that confidence. And yeah. I also want to show the respect to the chef and the team that I value what you do. Yeah. That's, but that's me and anybody else in the world can do whatever they want. Like I'm, I'm not in our restaurants. I don't have any kind of a dress code. Mm-hmm. I don't care. Just be comfortable. Yeah. Whatever you want to do. Dress codes are a thing of the past. I think, I think so know. for sure. Okay. Thank you for doing this. I don't know yeah, what our, we're, we're, we're at an hour. I don't know what your time is. I'm, I'm good on time. Um, let's go through. I, w- I have a couple more. We're going to fast forward to a couple more. Two, maybe three. <laughs> Damn, I don't because everything was, it was almost like every dish was my favorite dish. Each one that came out, I was like, I think this is better than the last one. A lot I of think. people say that. Like it, it's like it built its way up. This is the one you said there was a custard on the bottom. Yeah. Make sure you get the whole thing together. And this was the butternut squash and amaretto. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is a carabinero. Is that how you say it? Carbonaro. I say carbonaro. But. Well, it's, it's spelled Cara, car. It's not spelled like Italian carbonara. It's Spanish. So it's Spanish. So carabinero. Carabinero. Okay, probably. so it's carabinero prawn, yeah. butternut squash, and amaretto. Tell me about that. Um, so this is actually some flavors that uh, one of the first chefs I worked for after culinary school, we did a pasta one time, and it was butternut squash agnolotti. And it just oh. was like tossed in Bermonte with lemon juice and it got amaretti cookie in it and on top. And I was like, you know, that those flavors just kind of stuck with me because the sweetness works really well with yeah. butternut squash. So this dish is kind of, this is like the third iteration over the last few years and it has uh, evolved. But anybody that's had all of them, they kind of say this is their favorite. <laughs> Uh, so the custard we served before is a chow and mushi, so a steamed custard, an egg-based custard. This one is uh, cream, and it's set with uh, carrageenan, which is like a gelling agent um, derived from seaweed. So uh, we take all the tops of the butternut squash get juiced and fermented. We fill the the bases with amaretto and like a huge knob of butter and roast it at a high temperature until uh, all the alcohol is cooked off. The squash is super soft and very caramelized. Scoop that out of the the skin and then cook it down in cream with kombu and then uh, a condiment called shiradashi. It has like a lot of umami. And then we just kind of let that steep for about 30 minutes. It gets pureed, strained, and then we set that with the carrageenan and and set it into the little custards. the carbonara prawns texturally are much different than the the um, the Aka Ebi, you know. So a little more chew to them. So it's nice since there's really 
texturally there's not much to this one because you have the custard on the bottom. Um, those get dressed in uh, reduced amaretto. So we cook that down uh, to like a syrup. So all the alcohol is off of that. Uh, but that flavors, it's almost like, it's like if you reduce Dr. Pepper or something, yeah. you know. Um, and then we brown butter. Once it's brown, we pull it off and we kind of like in and out dip sage a bunch of times. So it slowly fries, but doesn't like turn dark and burn. And you get this kind of like infusion of like toasted sage um, that gets dressed over there. And then uh, we finish that with a reduction of that fermented butternut squash juice. So we add a little bit of sugar, like a percentage of sugar to it, and then slowly reduce it over a couple days until it's a syrup. So you have this like very... Over a couple days? Yeah, because you don't want the bubble because if, if it bubbles at all, the, the sugars can begin to caramelize and it'll change the, the flavor of the reduction. How do you reduce it over days? Uh, so it just goes on the, you know, the... In a whatever appropriate size pot and it slowly goes and then it gets transferred into smaller pots as it goes down and cool it and then you do it the next day so we do okay, it so it's we not like it overnight it. cooking not, well, sometimes if it's a big batch we'll let it go overnight on on really low heat okay um but yeah so it's it's just like another way you could do it is if you have enough dehydrator space you could pretty much put it in a gastro tray and a dehydrator and let it slowly reduce at a, a temperature like that so it won't burn that way um, but you get a lot of like salty umami from that a little bit of chive in there as well and then the amaretti cookies just crushed up for a little crunch too it was absolutely delicious thank you absolutely delicious we're gonna skip ahead there was a scallop foie gras red cabbage and quince kogi mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not the biggest foie gras guy, but I looked at my wife and I was like, this is the best damn foie gras I've ever had. It's cooked perfectly. And it was just a, it was the, the texture, the flavor. I've never eaten foie gras that had that flavor. And I think it was everything it was paired with. It was kind of like the oyster. Like with all the stuff with the oyster, it really accentuated that. It, was a, it wasn't the, necessarily the star of the dish. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like any of these individual proteins was had to be the star it was all the things around it made the star look brighter does that make sense yeah and that's maybe that's what was going on there uh there was a grilled turbo with base scallops and a shellfish cream and then um there was a there was a, a palate cleanser that was a was a kumquat with mm-hmm. juniper berry yeah so am i remembering that right cedar berry fresh cedar berries um but yeah and the juniper family oh they were that I could have had a bowl of that sitting on my couch because that's what I do now. And I don't drink. Uh, the Bear Creek Farms ribeye with a bonita sweet, bonita sweet potato and shaved white truffles atop of it. Mm-hmm. We're not going to go into that a whole lot. Um, it was delicious. It was amazing. The uh, That's when we did the kumquat buttermilk, fresh juniper berries. The foie gras, pineapple, guava, sage. This guy right here mm-hmm. was, we talked in our last interview about your plating in your presentation. And some people take a plate and they'll, it'll look like a, a, 
a murder scene. You know, they'll just they'll put little splashes here and a smear there and dots of things all over the place. And then the, the food is in the middle. And you kind of have to move them all together. And you're not a fan of doing plates like that because you're like, that doesn't make it easy to eat. You want to, you, I think you described yourself as being a stackable. I'd rather stack everything on top so that you just, and you've said many times, this is to be eaten in one bite. Mm-hmm. Like, don't slowly eat this. All these flavors need to go at one time. And I loved that. But that's, this seemed like the personification of all of those things. I'm going to mix so many ingredients. It's going to be a stack. Eat the whole thing and then let all of those flavors. Have you seen the movie? Ratatouille. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a, a meal. His brother comes to uh, Gusto's. And he's like, Emile. And he's like, oh, I'll get you some food. And he gets him like some berries and some cheese. And he's, he goes, no, 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 stop, 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 stop. He goes, eat the cheese. And he eats the cheese. And like the little music notes go. And he goes, now eat the berry. And he eats the berry. And the other music notes go. And he goes, now eat them together. Mm-hmm. And like, it just was like this cacophony of the sound, like, that's what I felt like every dish was, was that each one of these individual ingredients could be very cool, but you blend them all together and eat them in one bite and you get this just magical experience. That's what this this piece right here was because it had like a puff. I don't know, I don't know what the bottom was. It was a um, like a... So we... Um, explain this one. Yeah, so we take beef tendons from Bear Creek Farms, cook them for a very long time until they're tender. And then uh, press them and freeze them. And then we shave those blocks over sheets of nori and let them dehydrate. And then when we fry them, the beef tendon puffs. So you have the nori cracker with the puffed beef tendon. It's almost like a chicharron. But so it's you kind of have. Tendon? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's wild that you can do that. Uh, that just is it's incredible to me. So that's the bottom part. That's, that's the base. Yep. Okay. And then uh, tartar, so the the muscle, the the uh, deco muscle from the ribeye, uh, we remove that. Um, so it's the muscle underneath that fat cap, and then it's uh, just ground uh, right right at the beginning, right before you guys sit down, we grind it, and then it uh, marinates in a tare. So tare um, traditionally used for like yakitori, um, made with like chicken and different aromatics cooked down like soy sauce and stuff. This one, we take those, that beef soy sauce I was talking about earlier. Um, dress it in a bit of that. The beef some, soy sauce with that in the, on the so sample we sa- plate. Well, no, no, no saving, saving all of the, any leftover beef. Cause you know, like, okay. Yeah, we yeah. give everybody a slice of ribeye and everyone's like, well, what do you do with the rest of it? You know, like it, it gets sliced super thin and then charred really hard so we can infuse all that flavor into soy sauce. And you dehydrate it so there's none left, and then that's what you... Yeah, yeah. so that gets that soy sauce gets brushed on the beef, and then we also marinate the tartare in it. Uh, um, gets a little bit of chive, and then on top you have uh, the same tare, but made into almost like a fluid gel, so it adds texturally a little bit more of a creaminess and then a puree made from cooked egg yolks and Japanese mustard, which is like really spicy. Um, Hokkaido sea urchin last night was Hokkaido sea urchin, uh, just like a tongue of sea urchin on the top. And then any of the little trims that fall off the, the white truffle, 
we just microplane over the top. How often do you change them? And you, that, that was incredible. You said last night we used sea urchin. How often do you have to call audibles? Uh, well, we've been using main uni, so the buffoon uni, very very similar. Um, this week we we just were able to get it, so we got the the uni from Hokkaido, but um. We change anywhere from one to three dishes a week. And then, you know, like every week we might have to tweak something. Like maybe Turbo didn't come in and we have to do, like that dish started with this uh, flounder we were getting from a guy in uh, like Virginia, North Carolina area. And he was, uh, you know, like killing him on the boat, bleeding him out on the boat. Um, they were showing up in rigor mortis. And they kind of get aged for a few days, and then we grill them. Uh, but that season ended, so now we're getting, you know, the turbo. Um, but, it, it, you know, like the set may be similar, or like instead of frise, we might have to use escarole, you know, whatever. Yeah. So things are changed. But then, like I said, every week we're changing a, a dish or two. Or Well, so New Year's is coming up, and you let us try. You were very generous, and you said, hey, we're I'm playing with this squab recipe here here's a couple bites too much think mm-hmm. well you didn't even say too much think you just said i don't know if it's going to be good or not but here enjoy yeah and um was was a little interesting for me okay i mean there's if you look on i'm going to post this on there too if you're following it looks like there's two arms mm-hmm. and they are yeah uh and there's like the whole claw of this bird yeah which i thought was super cool but then as i was eating it i was like that's like the claw of a bird right there. Like I'm not a get the whole tilapia at the Mexican restaurant and, and like cut through it. Yeah. And eat it. I, maybe I just need to do that more. First time for me eating something with a claw still on it. Like it was like a bird. So that's a, that's just a thing. Yeah. It's just a, I, that's my only feedback. The flavors were incredible. That's all right. I brought you out of your comfort zone a little bit. You hundred percent did. I tried it and. Uh, I liked it, but that's my only feeling. Because it took me a second to kind of go. I'm holding the claw of a bird right now, and I'm eating the other end of it. I feel like when Capard opened, Josh and Eric were serving a squab dish, and they might have even served something out of the the claw <laughs> of the squab. <laughs> you had like a something in the claw, yeah, that you would like pick up and eat. But. Well, hell yeah. Uh, last thing, and uh, I. I could do this all day because there's so many dishes. I thought this was so unique, and you, this wasn't on the, this was on the later tasting menu. I think you, you hooked us up with this. Thank you mm-hmm. again. Bananas and caviar. There's a place down the street that was called Banana and Caviar. Bananas and Caviar, but this is a uh, Bananas and Caviar. Mm-hmm. Tell me, because I mean, it was absolutely delicious, and I wouldn't think those two things would go together. Yeah. So I mean. The idea of sweet and salty, you know, in in my head worked. I think you got to find the right, like the right caviar. This caviar is nice. It's a, it's an older fish. The eggs are really firm. They don't put a lot of salt on it. Um, so it gets aged for a, a few months before we receive it. Um, this dish has evolved over the last few years. I think I put it on in 2021 and originally it was, we were like, to order would burn bananas in the coals and then, you know, cut them out like 
almost like you're doing bananas, you bananas. bananas foster tables. Literally, like throw the whole thing, the peel, whole thing with the peel on everything in the coals, bury it in the coals, and let it let the skin like completely burn. Yeah, and the banana would roast inside, inside and get it. really soft. Okay, and then we would dress it in a dashi made f- with black truffle. But then we added a bunch of the black walnut toffee to it. So it was like sweet, salty. There was a lot of umami in it. And then uh, we just hammered it with caviar. The next version was uh, my grandma always made like a banana nut bread at the house. And she would put a ton of uh, margarine on it. But it was like the best like to get fresh warm. And she would just put like a thick layer of fake butter on there, you know. (laughs) So we had this really nice butter we get from... Animal Farm Creamery in Vermont. And we were doing the banana bread soaked in that same dashi. So it was like, would start to be soft, but it was warm. And then on top you would have uh, like a canal of the butter with the caviar. Oh. And then actually, sorry, we poured that sauce over the top of that. So it would kind of all me- begin to melt. Um, and then I finally settled on like the banana cream pie. Uh, so it's the same burnt bananas made into a custard. Underneath that is a the black walnut toffee um, with the toasted marshmallow and then the caviar. So just, just a one-biter. It's a one-biter. And it was all those things. You start chewing it and you're like, all of these things are, and you get the different textures because the, the, the base, like the crust is crunchy. But then, and the actual top was Somewhat crunchy, it was, it was hard, but not too hard. But then the middle was soft, and then you get that caviar. And then it, it's, it's just one of those things. It just all works together. And I'm sitting there eating this going, I never would have thought of this. Like, this guy is a, is a damn genius. Like, he's so crazy. So there you go. There's there's There were several other plates uh, to walk you through what dinner was like at the cafe. If you've never been, or if you've been and you were wondering the same things I was wondering, what kind of the dishes were like um that was a fun thing to do I've, I've like i said you get to talk to the band after the show and kind of go when you played that song remember when you played that song that was cool, cool. like, like the, the chris farley interview on saturday night live have you seen that oh yeah He's like, that was awesome that was awesome that was cool man what's next like, what's in your brain right now are you working on anything Cause there's gotta be a lot of pressure. You got new year's coming up yeah. and then you got a new year and constantly adding menu items. Where do you find inspiration? It's usually just from the, like the ingredients. I'll look and see what's, what's coming into season. Kind of look at what we have. Um, you know, in our larder, I guess. Um, sometimes, you know, like I, I just have a, phone full of probably a thousand ideas sometimes i'll find an ingredient that's in season and then search my notes and see if there's any ideas that i don't think sound too insane and sometimes go that way sometimes it's just from like the foie gras dish with the guava was you know like i tasted that was the foie gras dish that i was like i love the foie gras because that that was the dish that i was like the foie gras is delicious in this Mm -hmm. sorry yeah no you're good um, so it was like, I, Foie gras, I ate guava. a piece of guava and it was like, it's kind of tastes like it would be good with sage. And, um, I 
you know, we had the fermented guava reduction. So I tasted them all together. And I was like, we should do this with foie gras. But it's hard to like just serve people a chunk of foie gras. So that's why we, we brulee both sides with sugar. So you kind of have that's some what crunch it was. to it. That's what but it was. Because like, there was a textural thing to it. it and stuff too. So it's salty and, and the texture is, you know, once warmed by the torch, it's creamy, but it's not like. It's, it's matured a few days, so it's not going to be, like, so fatty. But then the whatever fat melts off of it kind of forms the sauce in the bottom with the fermented guava. So it's, you know. How do you know if something tastes good? Do you just go just strictly on it. your taste, or do you go, yeah. hey, taste this. Tell me if I'm crazy. Well, have, these two things go together? Do you, do you yeah, ask I'll other do people? That. I'll do that. And then if some sometimes if someone disagrees, I'll be like, oh, like, think of it this way. And then sometimes they're like, yeah. But uh, give me an example of something that's too insane. You say I think of things that are not too insane. What's something that you would like to do but's too insane? Oh gosh, I don't know. We did. We were getting these. So Wiley Dufresne years ago had restaurant WD fifty in New York, and he was doing this. Did like a foie gras and anchovy dish, and there's this. There's opinionated about dining, which rates restaurants, and and the the owner hated it. It's like one of the like least favorite things he's ever eaten. And then there's a documentary, and they're going back and forth about this dish. And I was like, oh, I had I had a good meal at WD-50. But we were getting these really nice, like, Spanish anchovies in. And they were so rich and creamy, they almost, like, tasted like foie gras. And, you know, we tried them together on, like, we had, like, house-made brioche. So we, like, let the foie gras. I think we just, like, Toasted the brioche, put the slight thin slice of like the cured foie gras on there, and like put it in the oven for a second, and then the anchovy over the top and ate it. And we were like all like, no, no, <laughs> no this isn't the it m- that might work, but that version is not the version we're gonna give the people because of the presentation or the flavor. Uh, just the the flavors just didn't. Work. I mean, the like anchovy really takes over. Okay, yeah, well, it's um, but the anchovies we were serving the anchovies on their own, just dressed in, um. What was the oil? Maybe lemon oil and then uh, elderberry capers and a little bit of like the brine from elderberry capers. It's like the anchovies on their own are amazing. And they're they're not like too intense, but something about with the foie gras really like the fishiness almost was pronounced, you know. So, um, yeah, we kind of tossed that idea. I don't know. We'll see. I I have a nice drive in and out of town each night, so it's kind of where I do most of my thinking. And then Sunday night, once the kids go to bed, my sometimes my brain goes a little crazy. So, oh, I try to shut it off. I I have to go. Like my wife goes to bed, everybody goes to bed. Then I go downstairs. Like I have to like. I uh, I'm up. I mean, I'm I can't up. go to if I go to sleep before midnight, I'll wake up at three thirty in the morning. Me too. So I, I can't. I'm I'm say, I like stay up late, even though knowing like I could get like 10 hours of sleep, but like realistically it would never happen. No, no. If I try to get, I woke up this morning at 430 because I went to bed normal time. Like we got home, put the kids to bed mm-hmm. and we went to bed and at 430 this morning, just like, here I go. Yep. Like I'm six out of six hours is a yeah, full night a for me. Night. Yeah. Like I, I'm good with six. Mm-hmm. It's a weird, it's a weird thing, but I have to, I have to have a little bit of alone time. Because I'm constantly, boom, boom, and my car is fine. I'm usually listening to a book or I'm on a phone. Yeah. Re- I'm calling people back, but I'm like, once everybody's in bed and the house is quiet, 
I like to go downstairs and I get an hour mm-hmm. of just, if I just play Candy Crush on my phone. Yeah. I don't know. But it's like I need an hour of quiet to calm, to, to calm my brain. And then I can, like, almost to where I'm, like, ready to fall asleep. And then I can go get in bed. Yeah, I can't just get in bed and be like, all right, let's go to bed now. Like, oh, no, 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 no. My, that's like putting the car in the garage with the engine on. Oh, yeah. Like, that's, that's, you don't do that. Yeah. You got to turn the engine off first. And yeah. then you can close the garage door and do the whole thing. Yeah, exactly. All right, man. It. What have I missed? I mean, we've. Um, nothing, really. What, what do you want to, is there anything you want to talk about? Anything you. No, I mean, the, we haven't said much about it um, publicly, but there's... Chef's going to introduce us to something cool right after these words from our sponsor, Cytex. Cytex, yeah. See, I just wrote a song for Cytex, too. Cytex is your trusted linen and tablecloth company they do uniforms they do first aid kits they do so much they can do the scratcher mats at the front door they do all your mats in the restaurant your custom logo mat when you walk in the front door and they keep them and they clean them and they take good care of them and they take good care of you that is what they do over at Cytex and let me tell you you need to give Ross Chandler a call because that's how you do it. That's how. That's the first step. Some would say, Brandon, I would like to learn more about Cytex, but I just don't know where to start. What should I do? You should call Ross Chandler, and I'm going to give you his number right now. You see, it's 270-823-2468. And then when you call him, you can say, hey, man, uh, my linen company, I'm not real sure they're doing the best things for me, and I'd like to learn about what you guys have to offer. Could you come by sometime and talk to me? And then he will. And he'll say, who you're currently using? Let me check it out. Let me see how we can help you. Let me see where your pain points are. Is it a delivery window? Is it the, the linen company keeps coming in and they're saying, hey, we don't have enough. We'll come back later on and deliver the rest. And then you never really know when they come back and deliver the rest. Did they deliver the rest? I don't even Who knows? I don't, I don't think they did. Anyhow, if that's going on with you, you need to check out Cytex because they are they're they're amazing. I trust them, and I think you should too. 270-823-2468. That is Ross Chandler. Do it now. You know, I don't always talk about Gordon Food Service. Well, yeah, okay, I do always talk about Gordon Food Service. They are our amazing title sponsor. You hear that this show is powered by them, and they are somebody who is powering our local restaurant community. And I want to tell you about um, my buddy Paul, Paul Hunter, you can follow Paul on Instagram. He is Paul Hunter Jiu-Jitsu. And he has a dog. His dog is Wrigley the Bulldog. And Wrigley the Bulldog has his own Instagram page. And what Paul does is he takes Wrigley and he shows you how to do different jujitsu poses with the dog. And it is amazing. And Paul is also the new business manager over at GFS. And so if you want to learn a little about Paul, go find him on Instagram. You can see who he is. You can kind of see he's, he's kind of Instagram famous. And he will come and talk to you about partnership, partnering with Gordon Food Service in all of the ways that they can help your restaurant succeed. Just some really, he's just an amazing guy. I've known him for 
long time, and uh, and I just I love hanging out with him. I see him all the time at my local restaurants out there in Bellevue. He's a Bellevuean just like me, and uh, I think that you should uh, give him a call and learn about what GFS has to offer right now. You can call him directly, 615-945-6753. Uh, but go check him out on Instagram and follow him because he's uh, he's amazing. All right, man. What have I missed? I mean, we've um, nothing really. What What do you want to? Is there anything you want to talk about? Anything you? No, nah, I mean, the, we haven't said much about it um, publicly, but there's uh, kind of documented everything over the last couple years since I took over. It'll be going into a, a book really um which we won't announce for a couple months but in the spring hopefully we'll have a little more kind of information about that and that was with my buddy mike wolf who used to be the bar manager at husk we worked together uh so he kind of presented the idea to me and just been i mean I, I record almost all of my recipes anyways so we've been Will this be a cookbook? Yeah. So it's going to be... So it would be, I mean, uh, honestly, be more of like a coffee table book, but if you are interested in the kind of what goes into how I thought of each dish over this first two years, this will be the... So if you, we'll enjoyed this the in, if you enjoyed this interview, there's a lot more of that coming out in a book. Mm-hmm. When is the book going to be released? I'm not 100% sure, but I think uh, next fall. Next fall. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we got a little bit of time. Yeah. Okay. So hopefully hopefully we'll have an announcement at some point, like I said, uh, early to late spring. So somewhere in the somewhere in the spring window. <laughs> I love it. Um man, I mean I've kept you here an hour and a half. I'm I, I could keep you here another hour and a half and I could talk about so many things. Uh I just want to say thanks again for your time. I know this is a busy time of year mm-hmm. and dinner last night was lovely. Thank, Thank you. you for your service and and what you're doing here in the uh, in this community is 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 really special. And um, final thing we do is the Gordon Food Service final thought. Okay. So you get to take us out. Whatever you want to say, kind of your last final thoughts. Going and this could be a end of the year final thought. Going into 2024 because well, this is it's New Year's time. We can make this an annual thing. Yeah. <laughs> last show of the year is going to be with yeah, Brian Baxter. I mean, the besides New Year's Eve, the one thing really on my brain right now is the Buccaneers winning the NFC Championship Sunday. But I w- won't be able to watch. Well, I talked to the team about it. I said, do, do I have the game on during the day or do I wait to watch it after work? You have the game on during the day. But that might just put me in the worst mood if ah, they but, lose. So. But you're a pro. Yeah. But you know what's going to happen is? You're going to be sitting there cooking, and somebody's going to go, can you believe the Bucks got beat Always. today? And you're going to go, motherfucker. And, and that's going to be happened. worse. Watching it real time, at least you get the emotions while it's happening yeah. to feel it. And you know, it, at least then you know. There's an anxiety of, I can't find out. Nobody tell me. You're at a place where everybody's eating dinner talking about this stuff. That's true. You're going to find out. And then it's going to ruin your watching it when you get home because you're already going to know the answer. Well, if I know the answer, then I don't have to stay up till 3 in the morning watching it. So that's the that's the only positive there. I, I just watch it. Yeah. And just watch so it. A, I'm a big, big hockey guy. So yeah, and the, the lightning. When the lightning are in the playoffs, most of the games are 
nights I'm working. So last year, thankfully, I didn't watch them all. I used to watch them all after work. And you're, you know, the worst thing was like losing in overtime at three thirty in the morning, and then having to try to go to bed. <laughs> but watching hockey when it's recorded is pretty magical. It gets it really gets your heart rate up too. It's like, but you can watch a whole game in like an hour and ten minutes. That's true. Because you just you can just fast forward. You just fast forward through yeah. the commercials. You can fast forward through the intermission, and it's like, oh, it's three twenty minute. Yeah. Periods like, and you just and it just sails, and you're like, oh, it's like an hour and ten minutes. I'm done. Whole yeah. whole thing. I always love watching the Preds because I'm, I'm a big Preds fan. Mm-hmm. I've gotten into soccer. Me too. Have well, you, I've been into soccer, but do you go to any of the Nashville SC games? Yeah. So uh, when I had surgery back at Husk in 2017, I had ankle surgery. I went to every single um, USL under 21 match at really? Vander- Vanderbilt Stadium. So supported them, and then my next door neighbor. Uh, he was the color commentator for them the first year. Uh, but he actually played for Orlando City years ago in the USL when they won two championships. So I was I was in Orlando when that team was started. So I'm actually an Orlando City fan. Okay. And it worked out during the COVID year because they were east and west. And then now they're back in the east. So it's it's a little tougher. So I, I went to went to the home opener in the new stadium. And then I went to both Orlando games, which thankfully we won. Um, and then we <laughs> we almost, you know, made it. I mean, we, at least Orlando lost to the champions. So, uh, but yes, yeah, so I'm a big soccer fan. And then Leeds United, uh, which unfortunately is in the championship this year, not Premier League, but well, um, maybe they get. I back. do watch a lot of sports, so it's you know. But I'm glad soccer's here. I'm I'm sure my son's favorite color is yellow, so I'm sure eventually he's going to start moving over from all of my teams to the, the teams with the yellow jerseys. You got Preds and and the uh, Nashville SC. Yeah, which Nashville I don't mind as much. The Preds that's the tough one because I'm a pretty big Lightning fan. So I knew absolutely nothing about soccer, and on a whim bought season tickets. My kids play soccer, right? So they're yeah, yeah. eight and ten. I'm like tickets for like. 20 bucks a ticket. I mean, you can get season tickets for Nashville SC really cheap. Oh, yeah. And there's not a bad seat in the place. I no. mean, it's, it's an amazing stadium. But the most unexpected thing happened. We started going to these games, and I was like, oh, this is great. Mm-hmm. There's no commercial timeouts. Yeah. I mean, people phantomly get hurt all the time, which is like their version of timeouts. And I, yeah. I get that. People get tired, and you got to get water, and they, oh, I'm ankle. You know, it's, yeah. it's a thing, uh, which – most people cannot handle, but it's it's part of the game. They're going to change it next year. Are they? Mm-hmm. No more flopping. If you if you go down for more than ten seconds, I think you have to leave the game for two minutes, or, or <laughs> they're, they're like adjusting some rules. So, well, that would make it better. Yeah, that would be really. Uh, It'll be interesting. Guess. The two forty five minute halves are fantastic, but I fell in love with it. And then I went to that game with when Messi was in town. Like I went mm-hmm. to all of the the cup games leading up to it. And I had my tickets to go to it. God, the excitement in that building was like the Super Bowl. I bet. It was so exciting. And I was like, I guess I'm a soccer fan now? Shit, I didn't want to be a soccer fan. I can't afford to be a soccer fan. I'm already got Titans and the Preds, and now we're going to get baseball? Do you have a baseball team? I'm a Rays fan, so I was, okay. you know, I thought if anybody was get if they were going to go anywhere, I would have preferred to have been here. Are they, it's hard to watch Are they baseball. going somewhere? Uh, they they say they're going to build them a stadium, so we'll see what happens. But 
I don't know. The the no salary cap thing for me makes it hard to watch because I mean you know the Dodgers, whether they're spending a billion dollars for the next two years or not, like it's still a billion dollar between two people. It doesn't matter how long the time is. Like the Rays aren't going to spend you know a billion dollars on a team, let alone. Well, that's what I, th- I saw. The Shohei deal was like his seven hundred million is is more than the entire payroll for like nine MLB teams. Yeah, it's insane. Like the whole team doesn't make like what he makes in a year, mm-hmm. and it was like the uh, so seventy million a year for ten years. Yeah, like the whole teams that don't have a seventy million dollar payroll. Yeah, and his his is like heavily backloaded. So when he leaves California, he's gonna he won't have to pay those taxes, but. I think that's why yeah. well, so I would assume that's why he did it. For, so yeah, for you're going to lose like first 10 years, he makes $20 million. And then yeah. after that, he gets paid the other 680 after his 10 year span is over. Like, how is he going to live? Well, how would you live? If you $20 million dollars over 10 years. How are you going to live on $2 yeah. million dollars a year? And 50% of that gets taxed. How are you going to live off 340 million a year? You know, it's ah, insane. I get it. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> makes complete sense. Yeah. Makes complete sense. Hey, last thing, uh, fantasy football. Yeah. We were in a league this year. I know. Did you? I uh, think I was do. I, I haven't checked in a while. I think <laughs> I did well in the uh, the loser bracket. In the loser bracket? I'm gonna. I'm pulling it up right now. We'll see if you're. That's what I get for not drafting. I auto draft. I had to auto draft, but. Uh, you are not in last place. I'll take that. You are in seventh place That's right not bad. now. Seven out of ten. I'm in. I'm tied for last place with um. With Alex Ballou. But I just beat Alex Ballou in the loser's bracket, so now I'm playing Pat Martin for, uh, and he had somebody go last night. Oh, shit, my whole team is, like, hurt. And I had Amari Cooper on. I'm not playing it. (laughs) What am I doing here? All right, let's see who you've. The championship this week is Max Goldberg versus Hal Holdenbeach. And uh, he had David Njoku and Cleveland's defense last night, which did well. So Team Goldberg is projected to win in week one. This is a two-week championship. Oh, okay. So it's going to go two weeks. So that's your that's your championship game. Uh, Third-place game is Alyssa Gangeri and Tandy Wilson. You are in the fifth-place game right now. All right. Which is with uh, Tony Galzen and you. Yeah, you're, you're – you have – D, you had, uh, oh, I'm like, not. I don't even think I set my lineup. Your kicker, like your line. kicker did not play and played last night. Okay. And so you got zero points for your kicker. So he is projected to beat you, but. I'm hoping for a big week from uh, Mike Evans and Rashad White. We'll see see what happens here. Well, that's me too. Yeah. For you, I, I don't, Titans aren't going to be anywhere. I'll, I'll root for the Bucks. Appreciate it. But like whatever juju I have. Now, my teams always lose, so maybe I should not do that. <laughs> but this bad thing going towards you. Oh, man. What's it like going out to eat with you? If I was to go out to eat with you, are you are you able to just chill or do you? I I enjoy eating. I, I It's hard to go out to eat with like. This has happened a few times, but uh, you go eat with, like, another chef, and they're, like, thinking about each dish so much, or, like, this needed more salt, this needed more acid. This is, like, I think consistently if a meal, you're, like, nothing was seasoned well. Like, that's a thing, but I think, you know, if you're going to a tasting menu restaurant, like, more times than not, it's, like, 
I think how the chef thinks everything should be seasoned, you know? So like I season things the way I think they should be seasoned and that's how we serve them. Um, and I think as, as I've gotten older, I just, I don't get to go out to eat like that that much. Like I just enjoy the time doing it. Um, it can be exhausting. Yeah. And I don't want to like, I want to go enjoy myself. I'm not going to analyze. Now, if I go, if I'm like traveling and I go to a Michelin three-star restaurant and I'm underwhelmed, then I'll be pissed off Well, last night I was there for a dining. It was all about the food last night. I mean, and obviously spending time with my wife, but like it was about the food. Just going out to dinner. Can you go to like an Applebee's? Uh, Chili's. I ate at Chili's every year for my birthday. Except this last year I didn't. I ate at Locust, but. (laughs) That's an upgrade. But then they gave me. They gave me some Southwest egg rolls to go, so it was nice. Oh, there you go. Made me feel feel good. But um, you can like go eat like just regular food. Yeah, and, buffalo and not... wings are my favorite food. So okay, I'm I'm not above anything, and All I right. I probably eat Martins anywhere from one to three times a week because there's one right by the house in Spring Hill, and it's easy because like I count my macros, so it's like all right. I, What's your go to like, there? I usually get the uh, the brisket tray with fries and green beans devil's nectar and alabama white sauce okay there's a he he might get mad if i tell this is how you need to order your wings but do it how do you do it so i get uh muddy so i get the dry rub with the sweet dixie and you have them toss them in that and then you get the the uh, alabama white sauce on the side like like if you're dipping it in ranch yeah that's the that's all the flavors in one that's that's how you order the wings i think that's what Everybody in the entire episode today is like, well, that's really interesting. And now everybody's like, holy shit. He's just unlocked the cheat code. Yeah. This is it. It's the best. Best wings. So I, I, and maybe I just haven't been to the right place. I haven't found a place in Nashville where I'm like, these are amazing buffalo wings. And I'm a buffalo wing guy. So I, I mean, like grew up eating buffalo wings, um, there was, a, there was also a place called Nickel City in Pinellas Park, Florida, so close to where I grew up, and it was uh, a buffalo bar, but they did really good buffalo wings. All right, I got, since closed, but... I got the place for you. Okay. The Germantown Pub. Okay. Have you been to the Germantown Pub? No. The Germantown Pub is right at the corner of Monroe and Rosa Parks. Okay. And they make a trifecta wing, and they smoke them all there. They're, 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 they're whole... They're kind of known for their ribs, but it's best ribs in Nashville. Or not okay. best, chicken wings. Okay. Chicken wings in Nashville. They make these chicken wings. Different flavors, but the trifecta wings at Germantown Pub, from everybody I know, is kind of the wing to eat. Okay. Is it buffalo-based or is it barbecue-based? I think it's buffalo-based. Okay. I'll give it a try. I mean, it, it, they have buffalo wings there, too. Yeah, but yeah. I mean... Trifecta wing. I'll give. I'll try. I, got I mean, buffalo, I'll eat wings. So I got I buffalo wings on the specials list this week, this month Love at Green wings. Hills Grill. There you go. It's a brand new. We do monthly specials, but we're doing buffalo wings this month. And God, they're selling like in they're It's just crazy how many people are like, "Oh, buffalo wings, let's go." That's awesome. And it's a it's a thing. I love wings. There's a they make the tiny little Frenched buffalo wings. Mm-hmm. I love those. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, like yeah. I think Joyce Farms makes them, mm-hmm. and it's just like a little Frenched. Just little, yeah. No, cl- no claw attached. <laughs> you know what I like. All right. Well, I don't, I don't think I had a very good end of the year thought, but oh, you did. I just you hope everybody has a good uh, twenty twenty four. So 
hope a happy new year to yeah, everybody. Happy new year. Ho- wishing you a wonderful 2024. Do people call you Brian or, or Chef or Baxter? It depends. My family calls me Brian. My friends call me Baxter. Some of my cooks, but you can call me. They chef. call me Chef when I'm, <laughs> depending on how the conversation's going, probably. I love it. Well, man, have a wonderful rest of your. Thank you for making the trip up here yeah, to do welcome. this, and um, uh, happy New Year to you. Happy New Year, thank you. All right, okay, thank you very much to Chef Brian Baxter for joining us here in studio. You you might have noticed in this episode that Caroline Galson the amazing co-host of this show, was not present in this interview. Uh, She was ready to come in. We were ready to do this thing, and I got a text message very early in the morning and said, hey, look, I'm just not feeling well. And we were heading into New Year's right at this interview, and she was like, I I just, I don't feel like coming in, and I I can't, I don't want to get anybody sick. I really want to be respectful of everybody who's coming in. So she opted out on this one because of that. And it was already scheduled and I had gone in. And so I said, look, I will do it. I'll do it alone. But she was sorely missed. Uh, She is, uh, she adds so much to this show and I missed having her here in the studio because it was a lot of fun and um, she's better now. We're rocking and rolling and it is snowing. I just looked, I just opened the door to the studio and it's dark and there's snow coming down, which means I should probably get going. So I hope you are being safe out there. I'm going to try and go and be safe. Love you guys. Bye.